Well, you're in for a treat today. We have uh, someone that I've been wanting to get in the pulpit for a long time, uh, Linda Troyer. Linda and her husband, uh, Jeff, have been a part of the church for a number of years. Linda is an excellent, excellent uh, teacher, wonderful person. She leads a women's group, I think, on Thursdays, second and Tuesdays. fourth Thursday. She Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Like I said, she leads a, I haven't attended recently, so I forgot. She leads a women's group on Tuesdays. Uh, she also, this is great, she also is leading once a month a uh, multi-church Bible study on the, the, in the town square, in the Sunbury Town Hall on the square here just down the street. And there are a number of churches, five, six churches that are involved in that, and that's on the first Thursday mm -hmm. at 7 o'clock. Yeah. First Thursday uh, at 7 o'clock. So any women from our church who'd like to join Linda for, for, uh, for that Bible study also uh, might want to jump in. But Linda, I'm glad you're mm -hmm. able to come today. I, I heard that last night was wonderful. Mm -hmm. I missed it. I was at a wedding. But looking forward to what you have to share as we continue our series on the patriarchs. Thank Bless you. you. Good morning. I love it. A group after my own heart. Early birds, early birds. I'm a Saturday night gal just because my sons are teenagers and they love to come Saturday night and so I don't get to see the nine o'clock crowd so I'm like, oh, let me see all these faces out here. This is wonderful. Um, well, I, uh, like Danny said, my name is Linda Troyer and I was asked by Penny a couple months ago if I would preach this weekend. And I gotta be honest with you, at first I was like, oh, I don't know. Let me pray about that. So I prayed about it for a little while, and then the Lord really confirmed and says, yes, I do want you to preach this weekend. So I called her back and told her um, because I, I, I felt like I really needed to cover it in a lot of prayer because I don't take bringing God's word to God's kids lightly. So I wanted to make sure that this is what the Lord wanted me to do. So he said yes. So I told Penny yes. She was happy. And so she gave me the scriptures that I needed to begin to uh, prepare for this weekend. So as I did, I was praying over Genesis uh, 21 um, because I wanted to really get a fresh word from the word of God for us this weekend. I didn't want to come with previous teachings or previous things I had learned about, but I wanted just a fresh word from the Lord. So as I did that, I sat down with Genesis 21 with prayer, a cup of coffee, the Lord, and a notepad. And I started writing down just things that I was noticing in Genesis 21. First thing I noticed was um, Sarah. She was really happy. Um, then she wasn't so happy, but then she was again. Uh, then I saw Abraham. He too was happy. Then he had a moment where he was distressed. Then he was okay. Then um, I saw Isaac, the promised child. He was born. And then I saw Hagar, and uh, she wasn't doing so good. She's got herself in a pickle again with Sarah. And for those of you who didn't hear some of our series, pre series previously, Hagar was Sarah's handmaiden, whom Sarah had suggested to Abraham that the chosen child would come through since Sarah's womb was closed. So Hagar then had a child, who is the next person in the scripture that I noted, uh, who was Ishmael. And, uh, but when I got to Ishmael, something very interesting happened. I noticed that in the entire chapter of 21, his name was never mentioned. So you're probably thinking, well, then how do you know it was Ishmael? Well, we know it because it, he was referred to as Abraham's son, Hagar's son, the son of the Egyptian handmaiden. He was referred to as the boy, again, the lad, he, him, but his name was never mentioned. And so I thought to myself, 
Lord, that's interesting. How come his name was never mentioned? So I just couldn't quite get past that because I just thought, you know, Abraham's name is mentioned the most in Genesis 21. Second to his name is the lad. I mean, give him a name, right? Call him by his name. So I asked the Lord, I pressed in and I prayed and I said, Lord, why is his name not mentioned? You know what the Lord said? Because the story's not about him. It's about me. And I thought, oh, Lord, it's about you. It's not about Ishmael. It's not about Hagar. It's not even about Isaac, the promised child, or Sarah, or Abraham, the man full of faith that followed God, the one that God made a covenant with. It's not even about him. This chapter, this book of many books is about God. And each one of these people point us to who God is. And that's how I begin to study. And that's how I begin to prepare for this sermon. Because I believe that that's what the Lord wanted to do. I begin to ask the Lord, Lord, show me who you are. Show me where you're at. Show me what you're doing through these people's lives. And as I begin to pray that, the scripture just began to open up. And it was almost as if, as if like a play standing on stage. You can see the actors. But somebody pulled back the curtain. And I can see who is really directing the play. And I saw God. And I couldn't help but think, just as I stand up here before you, center stage, and my being here is definitely important, just as Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Ishmael and Hagar, they're all important people in the story. Just because they're not the main characters doesn't mean they're not important. Just as my being here today is, is very important. In fact, if I decided this morning to sleep in because it was rainy and I was tired because, you know, I, last night I preached, I'll just sleep in this morning. Somebody else can do it. That'd be a bit of a problem, wouldn't it? <laughs> Okay, so I'm here. So there is a level of importance to me being here. But my job here this morning, my goal, my prayer this morning is that I standing here before you will point you to the one who's bigger and who's brighter than me. Because just as I'm here this weekend, I will not be here next weekend. Somebody else is preaching. And just as many people have come across the stage to preach and they will continue, there is one who will always remain and it's God. So that is who we're going to look at in the scriptures today. So with that said, let's go ahead and pray. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you so much for the privilege that it is to be in your word. I thank you that you draw near to us and that if we call upon you, you will tell us a great and many things that we do not know. I thank you for the truths that you have brought about who you are. You do not keep yourself a secret, but if we ask you, you will show us. So, Father, I pray today that you would help me handle your word of truth accurately. Help me to pull back the curtain, Holy Spirit, so that everyone here today can see the Lord God in all of his glory, in all of his splendor, in who he is in the scriptures. And I pray that lies that have been believed will be um, removed and that chains that have enchained people to believe a certain thing about you that is not true would fall to the ground. I pray, Spirit of truth, that you would come and bring truth and breathe on this word. Put power on my words today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so we're going to begin 
uh, by reading Genesis chapter 1. This is like adult story time. We get to read. Um, I love the Word of God, so we're going to be in the Word of God quite a bit. Uh, so if you don't have a Bible, we've got some here on the sides of the stage as well as back on the sound booth. But just so that you know, I'm going to be reading out of the New American Standard just because that's what I cut my teeth on. I've been chewing on it ever since. So that will be up on the screen for you. But we're going to begin this morning, and we're going to read Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to go through some of these verses. And I'm just going to share with you things about um, the Lord as well as some things about these people because we will learn about who these people are through the word of God but greater I want you to see who God is in all of this so with that said let's go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 21 and let's start in verse 1 and we're going to go to verse 3 then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised so Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Um, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Okay, let's stop right there. First point I want to make, for those of you who are note takers, you're going to want to take note of this, that your God is a note-taking God. God took note of Sarah. Some of you may have come to church today, and maybe you just feel like this today, or maybe this weekend, or maybe you felt like this for a while in your life. You feel a bit unnoticed or unseen. I'm here to tell you today that that's not true. The Word of God tells us that our God is a note-taking God. He sees you right where you're at. And we're going to see more of that as we go on through the scriptures. So I love that the Lord took note of Sarah, as he had said. And he did for Sarah as he has promised. Why? Because he's a promise-keeping God. Because he had made a covenant. As Danny said last week in his message, he talked about covenant, and he said that it's God's way of saying, I promise to do for you my plans and my purposes. Everything that I said I would do, I'm going to do. I promise that I will do that. That's covenant. So we see the Lord saying here to Sarah, I promised you that you would have a child, and now here is the child. Um, and I love that he says, at the appointed time, which God had said. I am certain that if we were to interview Abraham and Sarah and ask them, so, was it the appointed time on your calendar for the child to be born? They would have said, uh, no, obviously not. Sarah got so anxious, she got ahead of herself and really in love, wanted to help the Lord and, and offered her handmaiden. And Boy, what a mess that is when we try to help God with his plans. It's his appointed time. Turn with me to Habakkuk 2.3. Let me share this with you. It says, For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. I'm here to tell you that if the Lord has spoken to you something prophetically, and he has confirmed it for you, or whether it be through his word, whatever he says to you, I promise you, at his appointed time, it will come to pass. We need to wait for it. Though it tarries, don't give up. You keep waiting for it. It will come, just as we see with Sarah. And the last thing I want to share with you is I love how it says, uh, it goes on in verse 3, and it says, um, almost like God is restating some things, um, he says, uh, the child whom Sarah bore to him. Almost like the Lord, I almost feel this sense of like, okay, I said Sarah, not Hagar. I said Sarah, and now he is establishing what he said, and that was, it's going to come through Sarah. Abraham and Sarah's faith 
just became sight. They get to see the promise of God. And this is Isaac right before them. So let's keep reading. Genesis 21, we're going to look at verse 4 now. It says, Then God circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. <laughs> Absolutely precious. Um, Michael opened up the series a couple months ago, and he talked about um, Genesis 12, and he talked about how uh, Abraham uh, was called from a place he knew and a people he knew to go to a place he did not know to a people that he did not know. Um, and he did it. He obeyed God. I love that we see here now, some 20-plus years later, Abraham still obeying God. Now, we might look at that verse, and at first quick glance, we think, oh, what's the big deal? Circumcision, we do it all the time. No, 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 no. you got to understand, without me having to go into the details of it, trust me, it again was an act of obedience and faith in what God had said. So he's obeying him. And that's the part that I love, because Jesus says in John 14, 23 through 24, he says, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them. And we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. Abraham loved God, and therefore he obeyed him. So as I was looking at this, I couldn't help but think, Lord, it's so very true. A faithful life happens one faithful step at a time. We look at Abraham, and we see him in Genesis, and then you will see him sprinkled throughout the entire Bible, all the way into the New Testament so we look at him and have a tendency to put him up on this pedestal and say, wow, boy, he was, he was the father of faith. He was just, he was it. He was God's chosen, and we could never be like him. But I'm here to tell you, we're in covenant with God through Jesus Christ, just as Abraham's in covenant with God. And he walked a walk of faith, and we're given that opportunity to walk in those same footsteps. And what those footsteps look like is this. It is footsteps of Abraham walking in obedience, and it is a step of belief, then a step of trust, and then it's a step of obey, and then we see his glory. So these are the steps. It is believe, trust, obey, glory. This is what it looks like here on earth when we take steps of faith because there's no shortcuts to glory. But in heaven, you want to know what it looks like? Jesus told us in John 14, it looks like this. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. That blesses me because I want to show the Lord, not just tell him I love him, because he demonstrated his love towards me, that while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. He shows me he loves me. I want to show him I love him. And how do I do that? I do that by believing him, trusting him, and obeying him. And I share this with you not as some great little sermon piece. I share this with you fresh and hot off the press of me doing myself. Because like I said, when Penny asked me to do this, I was a little bit like, ooh, preaching, you know. I'm used to sitting out there with you guys. I'm used to looking this direction, not looking this direction. And I got to say, just a beautiful group. I love this view now. But I have to tell you that it started making me a little bit nervous. Well, as this week came, I became a lot nervous. Because you see, this is the first time I've ever stood up on a stage and preached a sermon. 
Sure, I've shared it some women's groups, and I love it. I love it. I've done women's events. Love it. But I've never shared in a sermon. So all of a sudden this week, probably around Tuesday, there was activity happening in my stomach that I was like, Lord, what is going on? My heart started to pound. I, I literally was like, I don't think I can do this. I wonder if somebody else, what if I gave somebody else my notes? Could somebody else do this? I was like, I don't know if I could do this, Lord. I mean, you asked my husband, you asked my friends. I could have crawled underneath my bed and hid if I could have. I'd have stayed there, brought me some crackers, something to drink. I'd have hid out all weekend long. But the Lord said to me, what did I show you about myself? And I'm like, mm, that if I love you, then I'll obey you. So I knew I couldn't hide out. I knew I needed to come and show the Lord that I loved him and be obedient and be here. And I want to say to you that last night, and I did it again this morning, and I'll do it again second service, is I walk up on those steps, and every step I took, I said to the Lord, I believe that you've called me to come and preach this weekend. I trust that you've given me what to say, and you will show up. Now I've obeyed you. Show me your glory, and I'm expecting to see it. This is the walk of faith. So lastly, I will say to you, obedience doesn't get easier. Don't mean to bust bubbles. I'm just being honest with you. It doesn't get easier, but I will tell you this much. God gives us the grace to respond quicker and quicker and quicker. Immediate obedience. I can't begin to tell you the importance of that. The power and the grace in what God tells you to do, doing it in that moment, and then just letting him carry you through. Because truly, at the end of the day, it's all the Lord. It's all him. And I know some of you may think this because last night some people said to me, you didn't seem nervous at all. And I was like, well, guess what? You saw his glory. Because if you'd have seen me a couple days ago, you would know I was nothing like this. This is the Lord. And he offers it not just to Abraham and not just to me, but to you as well. Let's keep reading. Genesis 21, verses 5 through 8 now. Now, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have bore him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. All right, we'll stop there. A couple things here. Um, the Lord has a word for us here, so we're going to lean into these verses here in a minute. But before we do, I, I have to share with you. Isaac's name means laughter. It means he laughs. I find this ironic because um, if you go to Genesis 17, when God tells Abraham that Sarah's going to be the one that's going to bear the child, and God tells him, name him Isaac. God gave him the name. And his scripture says that, that Abraham laughed in his heart. Well, then if you were here last week and heard Danny's sermon... We know what happened to Sarah when the three guys came to meet uh, with Abraham and they were um, meeting and then in the tent, Sarah was behind the tent and when they said that next year this time when we come, Sarah's going to be with child and Sarah giggled and she laughed and then they said, why is Sarah laughing? And Sarah said, I didn't laugh. Um, I find it so ironic that their child's name is Laughter. And then you see here Sarah saying again that God has made laughter for me. She's laughing for the right reason now. I can't help but think if God in heaven now goes, okay, now Abraham, now Sarah, you can laugh. 
and just throws back his head and laughs with them because I just did the impossible because that's all I know how to do, what you cannot do because this is the kind of God that I am. Laughter. And every time she called him, it was just a reminder just to laugh at this is who God is. This is how big he is. I love it. But here's what I want us to lean into because the Lord really moved on this so much so the Holy Spirit really got a hold of me during this time uh, for these verses because we'll see here that the scripture says that Abraham at this time was 100 years old. How would you like to start to walk in the fulfillment of ministry at 100? No, thank you. No, thank you, Lord. A little sooner, please. But I love it. 100 years old, Abraham's starts to walk in the fulfillment of what God said. Sarah at this time is approximately 90, maybe 91 years old. And God's calling and fulfilling what they are to do. And, and, and the Lord began to speak to me, and he wanted me to share with all of you that there is no retirement in the kingdom of God. There might be retirement in the workforce, we might even have retirement in ministry, but we never retire from the kingdom work of God, which happens all the time, no matter where we're at. And as I began to see that the Lord was saying that, I thought, oh, bless you, Lord. And the Holy Spirit said, there's more. There are some here today who feel dismissed and disqualified because of their age. And the Holy Spirit wanted to come and minister to that today. And I said, okay, we'll put it in my notes, and we'll do that at the end. And the Holy Spirit said, mm -mm, we're going to do it right in the middle of the service. And the Lord said, um, believe, trust, obey. I said, okay. So I'm going to now step out in faith, and I'm going to believe that the Lord wants to minister right now, not at the end, because this is how important it is to God that you do not believe the lie that you have been shelved because of your age. In fact, the Lord gave me these words specifically, and I'm going to read them so that I do not get them wrong. The Lord said, and these are your fill-in-the-blanks, you still have influence and impact. I have the final say on all your final work in my kingdom. So if that is you today, if you feel dismissed or disqualified for any reason because of your age, I'm going to step out in faith and ask you to do that. And what I'm going to ask you to do is to stand up. If you have felt dismissed or disqualified because of your age, the Lord has shown me you, and the Lord wants to bless you and release you, and I want to pray these, this word of the Lord over you. So if that is you right where you're at, would you be brave and stand up with me so that I can pray for you? Is there anyone here? Bless you. I saw you, and the Lord sees you. Bless you. Bless you. Mm, thank you, Lord. Bless you. Oh, glory. Thank you, Lord. I want you to stay standing because we're going to stretch our hands. We're going to pray for you. The Holy Spirit is here and he's going to minister. I'm just going to get out of the way and let him do what he needs to do. Bless you. If you're around them, stretch out your hands, please, and bow your heads. We're going to pray. Father, I thank you that you see them. Of the authority given to me by Jesus Christ, I break every and cut off every lie that has been spoken by the enemy that they are done, that they have retired, that they have been dismissed or disqualified or shelved for whatever reason. You, Lord God, 
say that you have the final say and you have the final work on all their work. So Father, I ask now in Jesus' name that you would come and empower them and release them for your kingdom work. For Jesus, you said the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. I now am commissioning them in the name of Jesus Christ to go forth and continue in bringing in that harvest until they see you face to face. And with the authority given to me by Jesus Christ, I speak over you that you still have influence and you still have impact. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. I want to say to you, to those of you who stand, you know, you are needed in the body of Christ and you are needed in the world. Not because of anything that the world can offer and, and, and not because of the world, what, what the world may say. And your age does not disqualify you needed and necessary and I want to say to you bless you for standing up today the Lord's going to do a mighty work and I saw a releasing of some things in the spirit and so I'm excited and I expect the Lord to do great things with you because the best started at the age of 100 for Abraham and 90 we're never too old to work in the kingdom of God because it's, it's his spirit who works through us amen Amen. Last point I want to make in this section of scripture before we move on um, and read our next section is that it says that Abraham grew and was weaned. Just so that you know, children during these uh, biblical times were weaned a little bit later than children are typically weaned here in the United States. And the age is about three to four years old. So my guess would be Sarah was pretty excited about having a baby and nursing. So I'm going to guess to say Isaac was probably weaned closer to the age of four than to three. But at any rate, we can put him about three and a half, no more than four years old. So with that in mind, let's keep reading our next section of scripture, starting in verse 9. We're going to read through verse 11. Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had bore to Abraham, mocking. Oh boy. Therefore, she said to Abraham, drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. Let's stop right there. A mm. couple things here. We're going to take a look at Sarah. Some of us may look at this verse, verse 9, and say, oh, Sarah, relax. Kids will be kids. Boys will be boys. Technically, they're brothers, half-brothers, but you know how kids will be, right? Sarah's just being an overprotective mom of an only child. Um, but the truth is, it's like I said, Isaac was about three and a half, four years old. The lad, Ishmael, was 17. A little different story now, isn't it? Kind of makes you want to grab that boy by the ear and go, get over here. This is his party. This is his moment. Knock it off. But what's interesting is that Sarah doesn't go send Ishmael to his tent for a month. Don't let him play with the slingshot. Don't let him play with the sheep. He's done. I've had it with him. No, she doesn't say that. She says, send the boy. Oh, and by the way, her mama, out. Get them out of the camp. Now, at first glance, we may think, ooh, I wouldn't want to be on her bad side. Sarah's a little... Um, a little strong there. She's a little cruel. When my research, I found something out. She's not being cruel. Listen to what I found. It says that, uh, my commentary says that Ishmael was a lad of 17 years. 
And it is quite customary for Arab chiefs to send out their sons at such an age to do for themselves, often with nothing but a few days' provision in a bag. Sarah wasn't being cruel. She wasn't being mean. She was asking Abraham to do what was customary for Arab chiefs to do with their sons. So keeping that in mind, let's go ahead and keep reading our next section of Scripture. Genesis 21, verses 12 through 14. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her. For through Isaac, your descendants shall be named. And the son of the maid, I will make a nation also, because he is your descendant. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder. And he gave her the boy and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. First thing I want to point out is um, God noticed that Abraham was greatly distressed. Our God sees when we're greatly distressed. Not only does he see it, but moreover, he actually comforts Abraham by telling him what to do. Telling him what is to come. He tells him, listen to Sarah and do whatever she tells you. Now, this may be an encouraging verse for those who are wives, but ladies, we cannot take scripture out of context and say that, well, our husbands need to listen to whatever we tell them. Uh, No, this was a situation that God had already planned, and Sarah was right on. But what's fascinating to me is I would be thinking, just me, um, I would be thinking, I don't know that I would want Abraham to listen to Sarah. Because no offense to Sarah, I want to give her much respect, but she was kind of the one who um, helped Abraham and God with the chosen child, and offered her handmaiden, and then now there's this mess. So I don't know about you, but if the truth be told, in the quietness somewhere in the back of my mind where I would rather not admit, in all honesty, if somebody makes a mistake, a little mistake, no problem. I'll listen to you again. A medium mistake, okay, we'll just we'll keep trusting God. But if you make a mistake that's this huge, thank you for your opinion. Can you just go sit over there for a little while? I mean, don't we just dismiss people who make huge mistakes? And this mistake that Sarah made, we're still feeling the tension of between the two nations. I mean, this was, this was atomic level mistake. This wasn't just something that affected their family. This affected nations forever. So when we look at this, this is a big deal. But what I found so interesting about the Lord is that the Lord says, listen to her. You know why? Because our God is not one and done. He's a God of second chances. This is who our God is. And you know why he's a God of second chances and he's not one and done? Because he's not looking for perfection. He's looking for faith. Somebody needs to hear that. I know I did. God is a God of faith. Let me prove it with you. Turn with me to 11... Uh, Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says, And without faith, 
it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Not without perfection, it's impossible to please God. It's without faith. And what is faith? Hebrews 11, 1 tells us, or 12, 1 tells us that, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's all Abraham and Sarah did. I don't see the promised land, but I'm just going to go ahead and walk and just believe, trust, and obey, and then I'll see God's glory. This is all they did. This is what faith is. And I don't know about you, but that's so freeing to me that God's not looking for perfection. That just takes a yoke off of me, something fierce, that all I need to do is just walk in faith. And you know what's cool about it? Is guess what? If you're like, well, then I don't know if I've got enough faith to walk in something, whatever it may be, guess what? You can ask Jesus for it. Because he says that faith is a mustard seed is all you need, which isn't much, but sometimes that's hard to muster up a mustard seed of faith. But we see in Mark 9, Jesus saying to the man who had a son who was possessed by demons and throwing himself around into convulsions, and he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus, and he said to Jesus, if you can help me, and Jesus said, if? Everything's possible to him who believes. And the man said the best prayer that I utter probably at least once, if not twice a week and daily at times, and that is, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. You need faith, ask him for it. I love it. It's a win-win situation. God gives us everything that we need. So as we see verse 12, it says that Abraham got up early in the morning. There it is again, immediate obedience. I love it. No faithful, no shortcuts to glory, one faithful step at a time. Early in the morning he arose. As I was doing some research here again as well, the commentary definitely talked about the obedience of Abraham, but something he shared that I thought was interesting that I wanted to share with you guys was the fact that, that um, Hagar was sent off early in the morning with her son, the lad, Ishmael, because that Abraham wanted to ensure that they would get to civilization, to the next town, before the heat of the day would hit them. But we see in the scriptures here that it says that she wandered about in the wilderness. I'm thinking, what in the world are you wandering for, woman? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, but I, I'm, I'm someone who gets directions. I mean, I get me some directions from a lot of people. I mean, ask my husband... I, he's, my husband's always like, well, just put it in a map quest. I don't trust it. Somebody else tell me. Like, what does it look like? Is there a yellow house on the corner that I make a left? I mean, give me some description. I mean, I would have gotten me some directions. Why is she wandering? And so as I began to just stop there for a moment with my notepad and praying and going through these scriptures in preparation, I asked the Lord, Lord, why is she wandering around? And it was in that moment the Lord revealed something in my heart that I didn't realize I had toward Hagar and Ishmael. And that was a sense of, of dislike towards them. I almost had a prejudice towards them that I didn't even realize. See, when I look at Abraham and Sarah, oh, wow, they, that's the father of faith, and that's his wonderful wife, and, and this is the chosen child, and, well, that's Ishmael and that's Hagar, kind of the black sheep over here. And I didn't even know in my heart that they were over there. And as I began to pray, why is she wandering? Compassion filled my heart. And I begin to think, perhaps, what she might be wondering for. Now, let me say to you, Scripture doesn't tell us, so I don't know for sure. So I'm just going to suggest you some things that came to my mind. 
But before I do, I want to share with you a scripture in Genesis chapter 12, verse 5. It says, Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Now, I've got to be honest with you. When I've read this scripture before several different times, I always saw Abram, Sarai, Lot, the nephew, and their possessions. I never noticed that it said, and the people that they had acquired. So think with me here for a minute. All their possessions, they had a lot. I mean, kings noticed when Abraham was in, his, in, in, in the land and would want covenant with him. Abraham had gained wealth. So the peoples they had acquired tells me that there very quite possibly could have been more than one handmaiden for Sarah. Which made me think, if I was Sarah and I would want the promised child, I would want my best handmaiden. Someone I was closest to. Possibly someone I really trusted. So then as I thought about that, I thought, could that be why Hagar was wandering? Was she possibly wandering in the desert, remembering what it was like to be a part of a clan that God's blessing was on? Was in that moment she possibly thinking, I remember what it was like to be so close to Sarah? Was she recalling in her mind possibly the moment when Sarah came and asked of her this, this, this request that was far beyond what Hagar could say yes to, but Sarah possibly began to explain to her that God said that there was a promised child, and though her womb was shut, it was going to come through Hagar. And Hagar, because she's her servant, said, I'll serve you in any way, so if this is what it takes, I'll do this. Was she remembering that, and that's why she was wandering, and she didn't make it to where she needed to be? We don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. Was she possibly replaying in her mind the day that Ishmael was, was, was picking on and mocking Isaac? And possibly she inside was angry with Ishmael, thinking, why would you do this? Why would you do this? Or perhaps she's like a real mom, like I would be, and think, my son didn't do nothing wrong. <sighs> right? Again, Scripture doesn't tell us, so we don't know. But we do know what God does. Let's read Verses 15 through 20. Mm. When the water in the skin was used up, she left the boy under one of the bushes. This is Hagar. Then she went and sat down opposite him, about a bowshot away, for she said, Do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. God heard the lad crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. God was with the lad, and he grew. And he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Of course she did. She was Egyptian. Points I want to make here in closing is this. First of all, is that it says that God hears the voice of the lad right where he is. Oftentimes, when we are hurting, 
when we have, whether it be tragedy, emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, whatever it is, oftentimes, I don't know about you, but I believe that somehow I've got to pull myself up from my bootstraps and reach out and find God, call out to him that there's something I have to do on my part to reach for God. Bible tells me right here, uh uh-uh. You can lay down, curl up underneath a bush and feel like you're going to die. And guess what? God will see you right where you're at because he's an all-seeing God. And not only will he just see you where you're at and think, oh, poor child, I'm so sorry. You're crying and pat you on the back. Uh Uh-uh. Oh, he's going to take care of you. And we see it right here. And the reason he's going to take care of the lad is because the lad was the child of the one that God made covenant with. And guess what? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're in covenant with God and he's going to take care of you. So he says then to Hagar, scripture says that he opens up Hagar's eyes to see the well. Because right now, she, it's, it's just the end for both of them. She's got to go a bow shot away. And when I think a bow shot, you know, I'm thinking like from here to the wall. But then when I think about movies, a bow shot, just think about a bow being pulled back, going up in the air a far distance away. She wanted to remove herself because it was too painful. And there she is. God sees the lad. And then the Lord sends the angel to speak to her. And what does he say to her? He says, don't, don't, don't be upset. I'm going to make a great nation out of your son. Pick the boy up and go get a drink out of the well. What's fascinating to me is that it doesn't say in Scripture that God quickly dug a well. It doesn't say that he caused it appear and spoke, well appear, and the well was there. No, it says God opened her eyes to see that well. I don't know about you, but I'm a lot like Hagar. When I'm struggling and I'm having a hard time, I can't see the goodness and the provision of God that is right there. But because God's a promise-keeping God in our pain and in the midst, he says, open your eyes and look, I'm right here, and I'm going to take care of you. And that's a comfort to me. I don't know if that's a comfort to you. And lastly, it says in verse 20 that God was with the lad, and he grew. Of course he's with the lad, because he told Abraham he would be. And our God is a promise-keeping God. So as I said, I wanted to take a look at all these different people in this chapter. But I want us to stare at God and who he is. And perhaps you might want to sit down maybe later this week and read through Genesis 21 and take some notes yourself on who you see God being through each one of these people's lives because they are pointers to who God is. But here were some things that I saw that I wanted to share with you in each of their lives of who I saw God to be. With Abraham, I saw a promise keeper, a distress reliever, and a very near God. With Sarah, I saw a redeeming, note-taking, joy, and you can even add laughter, giving God. With Isaac, I saw a future planner, a faithful, and a very near God. And with the lad, Ishmael, I saw a generous, merciful and a gracious God. And with Hagar, I saw a provider, a rescuer, and a protective, all-seeing God. This is who our God is. Behold his beauty. Won't you stand with me?
in preparation for this, there were some things that the Lord showed me that he wants to do here in ministry time today. The first thing he showed me was I saw two fists, and they were white-knuckled, clenched, really tight. And in one hand, there was the promise of God. God has promised you something, whether it be through his word or something spoken prophetically. And you know that it's from God, and it's in this hand, and you're clinging tightly to it. You are desperate for it. And then in another hand, this hand, um, and, and, and may I say that this is like the Isaac, um, the desperation of what you're wanting, of something that God has promised. In this hand, I saw uh, uh, um, shame, guilt, regret, times where you've tried to go ahead from God to, to make this thing that he said happen, whatever that may be, and that's your Ishmael, and that's in this hand, and it's clenched tightly, because not because you want it like your Isaac, but because there's shame in it, and you regret that you did it. The Lord said for me to tell you, to he said, tell them to open their hands. Because in this hand, at my appointed time, I'm going to place that promise. Because I'm a promise-keeping God. And in the other hand, I'm going to remove and take the shame, the guilt, the regret of them trying to help me and go ahead of me. So that was what I saw. And if that is you, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward and get prayer for that. And just open up your hands and the Lord's going to bless and give and take away. Second thing was um, I saw um, um, a handshaking, um, a business deal going down. Um, I know that doesn't have anything to do particularly with what this topic was, but, but the Lord moved on it in last night. And I, I want to be obedient and share it this morning as well. Um, a business deal is coming up, and the Lord wanted me to tell you, um, if, it, if it causes you to compromise your walk with Christ or what you believe, don't shake on it. God is a God of blessing. You're in covenant with him. He's going to take care of you, and others are going to want to shake your hand and be blessed by you just as they were with Abraham. And lastly, I want to say, if there's anyone here today who saw parts of God through the the sermon, or lastly, when I shared who God was, if you need him to be something to you today, whether it's a joy-giving God, a protective God, a note-taking God, whatever it is, he wants you to come forward today and get prayer for that because he is the same today as he was yesterday and he will be tomorrow. This is our God. Malachi 3 says, I am the Lord and I do not change. You are in covenant with him through Jesus Christ. He will take care of you just as he did Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Ishmael, and Hagar. So won't you go ahead and come forward and make your way. Hungry I come. Hungry I come to you for I know you satisfy. Let's make sure everybody that comes to the front has someone praying for them. I am empty, but I know your love does not run dry. Hungry I come, hungry I come to you for I know you satisfy and I am empty but I know your love does not run dry got a couple more up here that need prayer for so I wait for you 
broken I run. And broken I run to you for your arms are open wide. And I am weary, but I know your touch restores my life. So I wait. So I wait for you. are living for is for just more of you, Lord. Thank you for the work that you are doing here, Holy Spirit. I ask that you would continue to increase even more of your presence. I pray that the word that has been spoken today from you, Lord, from your word, would be seeds planted in each of the hearts here today, those who are up front as well as those who are in the seats. And the authority given to me by Jesus Christ, I speak the blessings of God over you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and bring you peace, give you his love, and make you men and women of faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. I want to say again, happy Father's Day to the fathers. Make sure you grab a mug on your way out. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs>